still in uh, Luke chapter 2. If you can turn there. And I'm hoping that my intentions are better than they are, are more fulfilled than they were last night. Uh, my, my intention was to have about a 20 minute, 25 minute homily, and apparently that did not take place. So, anyway, Luke 2, beginning in verse 22. And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to what was said in the law, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now let your, uh, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was eighty-four. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping and fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Israel. Let's pray. Father, according to the riches of your glory, grant that we would be strengthened with power through the Spirit in our inmost being, so that Christ may dwell in our hearts by faith that we may be rooted and grounded in love and may have strength to comprehend the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that we may be filled with the fullness of God. Amen. I thought of a silly song for this morning, and that is, All I Want for Christmas is My Two Front Teeth. Not a very exciting song, I, I, I really honestly admit. But I thought of a boy named Ralphie, and you probably have seen Ralphie. And Ralphie wanted something very different than two front teeth for Christmas. He wanted a Red Rider BB gun with a compass and some little thing on it that helped him tell time. 
he really didn't know that it was a sundial, you know. But nonetheless, this is what he wanted. He was driven to possess by gift on Christmas this Red Rider BB gun. And if you asked him what he wanted, he would tell you and tell you quickly. We're going to work with that idea this morning, that idea of longing, because uh, longing is very important in it, it reflecting somewhat of the condition of our hearts, and that's a, a, pa- a part that is here in this text. It's all about longing and the satisfaction of those longings. Our big idea this morning is that Jesus reveals the condition of our hearts, and we'll see kind of how that takes place as we look further at this text of Scripture. And the first thing I want us to keep in mind is that our longings reveal the source of our delight. In other words, our longings are a picture to what we're looking for to bring us delight. You don't long for something unless you think it's going to satisfy you. Nobody longs for something bad. Gee, I can't wait until I get cancer. And we don't, no, we, we long for something that we think is going to be good to us and that is going to bring us great joy. That, and there, that is the source of our delight. It's revealed by our longing. Here in the text, in the story of uh, what takes place after Christmas, we fast forward a little bit. Uh, first is the circumcision, and again we see that Jesus was officially named at the day of his circumcision, eight days after his birth. Only in Luke do we see this taking place in the Scriptures, uh, the naming of, of babies on the, the day of their circumcision. And I wish I had that much time to name my daughter. Man, they wouldn't let me out of the hospital without naming my daughter. I wanted eight days because I couldn't make up my mind. Okay, But this, this really, what takes place 33 days later is the purification Okay, because they recognized the, the, the reality of sin, not so much in the conception, but in the birth. Because this person, well, the two people who made the baby and the baby itself were sinful. And so there's a recognition of, of the sinfulness and uncleanness that takes place. And so the, in the law of Moses, there's this procedure that takes place for the purification of the mother and the father. Because obviously he would have been contaminated as well, so to speak, since he's close to her so much. And it is, this really sets the stage for everything that's going to take place. That is the reason they are in the temple, for the purification and the offering of the sacrifice. Now, their offering of this sacrifice reveals that they were poor. Okay, They brought the, the lowest acceptable sacrifice, the turtle doves. As a sign of their poverty. But it is there in the temple that they encounter this man that they had apparently never met before, Simeon, who, just like Zechariah and Elizabeth, was aged, was righteous, and was devout. And he had longings. And his longing was for the consolation of Israel. This is what he was looking for. This was the thing that he was the source of his delight, the consolation of Israel. And that word consolation can mean encouragement, exhortation, comfort. It's sort of a strange phrase, isn't it? The consolation of Israel. Isaiah 40, I think, sheds a little light. What is the consolation of Israel? Comfort. 
Comfort my people, says your God to Isaiah. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare has ended, that her inequity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Now that was speaking about, prophetically, particularly about the end of the exile, the, the, the Babylonian exile. That, the, that, you know, Isaiah was saying there's going to come a time when God is going to bring you back and the people speak comfort to them. The exile is not the end of God's dealing with you. He's going to bring you back. He's going to pardon your sin. You will be redeemed. Okay? But rebellion took place again. And so Simeon is looking for a greater, newer, better consolation of Israel when once again her sins will be put away, this time permanently, just as Daniel talked about in his prophecy. Okay? So Simeon is longing for God to redeem Israel and to end the oppression that was brought about by their Continual rebellion. Now, the Spirit was at work. Again, we've, the Spirit's been in all of these people, as you know, we've been talking about. And once again, we see clearly the Spirit was upon him, and the Spirit revealed something to him, and it's something rather unusual, that he would not die until he saw the Lord's Christ or Messiah. <coughs> Interesting promise. This is a personal promise. This is not, you know, for everybody, but he received it. So he was waiting for that day. He knew that he could not depart until that time. And now he says in this, as he breaks out in song, that he can now depart in peace because he knows he has seen it. We don't know how he identified Jesus. Apparently, the Holy Spirit was at work and said, that's the one. This, this woman carrying the baby, that baby is the one. And so he, moved by that same spirit, comes and prophesies. He rejoices that he finally has seen the consolation of Israel because it is found in a person. There's the parallelism that is at work here. He's longing for this. He's longing, and the Spirit says, the Lord's Christ is going to come. And so the consolation is tied up in the Christ. He sees him with his own eyes, recognizing the Messiah. And he declares that this is God's salvation. He sees God's salvation when he sees God's Son. And he's filled with delight. But it's not just Simeon. We also meet Anna, a prophetess, a widow, who spends her time going through the means of grace in Jerusalem at the temple. This is how she spends her time. She shares this longing for Jerusalem's redemption. That would be the source of her joy. Let's think about Ralphie again for a moment. Okay, He, He longed for that BB gun. He thought it would be the source of perpetual delight for him as a child. And <coughs> as I mentioned, he, 
he wasted no opportunity to let people know that he wanted the Red Rider BB gun with, with the compass and the sundial. He would leave advertisements in his mother's magazines by her bed so that she would open it up and go, oh, okay, subliminal messaging, I'm sure. Okay, He wrote an essay for school. Okay, and he thought this was, this was the grandest essay ever because he was so excited about the BB gun and the hope that he would get it. And he was very disappointed when he did not get an A, but got a C. And the teacher wrote, you'll shoot your eye out. <laughs> in fact, almost everyone he talked to that was an adult about this BB gun said the same thing. You'll shoot your eye out. He felt sort of oppressed that there was a conspiracy, and yet he still set his heart upon this thing, that it would be the source of his delight. And so I ask you, what are the things that you long for most? Because those are the things that you are looking for to bring you delight, to bring you joy, and everybody wants joy. Okay, Maybe there's a small percentage of the people that have a psychological disorder who want misery, okay? They're called masochists. And I don't think there are any any in this room here today, okay? Healthy, normal, ordinary people seek joy. This is, it's not just Christians. Everybody, not everybody looks for joy in the right place. Your longings reveal where you're looking for your joy. Pay attention to your longings. Don't drown them out. Listen to what they say. So here, um, where we hope to receive our delight is revealed by our longings. So secondly, our response to Jesus reveals our spiritual condition. Simeon begins to prophesy about the fulfillment of what he longed for and what he prophesied is not all good. It was a mixed message. That this child would be the cause of the fall and rising of many. Collapse. It's another way of that, uh, that word, fall, collapse. I'll not mention any epic sports collapses today. You've heard enough of those things. Okay, but that's the idea. Just a complete falling apart. And so the coming of Jesus leads to the falling apart of the proud. But it also leads to the rising, the exaltation of others, as we've seen already, the humble. His coming is bad news for some people precisely because it will lead to their destruction. Now, <coughs> Simeon is not saying anything completely and utterly new. In fact, it's an idea that was found in Scripture, and it's an idea that Paul builds upon in Romans chapter 9 when he quotes from this. But he says, first, they have stumbled over the stumbling stone, as it is written. Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. 
And so he, in this, this prophecy that, that Paul is quoting, he's recognizing that the stone is not a literal stone, it is a person, but this, so this person functions as a stumbling stone for many people. Okay? What is a stumbling stone? I, I always think of the stairway in the house I grew up in that went up to the, the bedrooms that were upstairs. You see, whoever built the staircase did not do a good job because there was one stair that was slightly higher than all the rest. Okay? Now, when your wits were about you, you could easily climb that stair, and you could easily remember, oh, yes, this is the one. I mean, you just automatically do it. But let's say you were impaired for some particular reason, and you tried to walk up those steps. It was inevitable that your foot would catch on the lip of that one step, and the rest of the household would know that you had had too much to drink that night. <laughs> it was a step of stumbling. Okay, It revealed something about somebody and led, well, fortunately no one fell and broke their nose, I think, but uh, it, it led to something. Discipline. But here it's worse. It's destruction. They're going to trip and fall. And it's almost as if they trip and fall into a chasm and die. This is not merely tripping on a step going up to your room. Not only that, but he, Simeon says that he is a sign that is opposed. Jesus is not going to be welcomed, but opposed and eventually murdered because he is the Lord's Christ. And so through this, it says, the direction of many hearts will be revealed. And it's that nice little word that we get the title of, of the revelation from, apocalypsis. Okay, something being brought to light. Okay, the condition of these people's heart, you know, forget the facades, forget the games, forget the pretty faces we put on. The real nature of people's hearts will be revealed, disclosed, brought to light because of Jesus. Their response to him and to no one else. Those who receive and delight in him are exalted. Those who reject and despise him will stumble to their own destruction. Our true condition, Ralphie, let's go back to Ralphie, okay? Ralphie rejoiced when he finally got the gun. And, you know, his dad played coy the whole time. He had it, like, hidden behind everything else in the tree and... And it, actually, no, it was behind the couch. And they thought all of the gift giving was done and all of the opening of the presents was done. And his father says, Oh, I think there's one more gift. Okay? See, at, to this point, Ralphie was pretty disappointed because he hadn't gotten the Red Rider. And he opens it, and it's pure joy. The delight upon his face. He's in his PJs and his bathrobe, and this is central Ohio, and this is winter. And he goes outside to test out his red rider. And uh, like me, he's left-handed, so they had to readjust everything on the gun. So, <clears throat> But nonetheless, the prophecy came true. 
He aimed, he fired at the, at the um, target that he had devised in his own mind, the, the BB ricocheted, and thankfully he had his glasses on because it went off of his glasses. Okay? And there his, resp- his response was, I'll clean it up. Oh no, I shot my eye out. <laughs> Whereupon he steps and breaks his glasses. Now Ralphie's true heart is revealed. And what happens next? His mother wonders what happened. He's got to explain the fact that yet another pair of glasses has been broken, costing his parents yet more money. They didn't have eyeglass insurance in those days, I guess. Okay, so nonetheless, broken. He's crying. He goes. He, come, he breaks up the tears. He, he manufactures them. The icicle fell and hit me. His heart was revealed that he wanted nothing to separate him from that which he treasured. And when Christ comes, sometimes he challenges that which you treasure. Will you let go and embrace him, or are you going to cling to it? That's the idea of the stumbling stone. That is what's going on. The, the Pharisees couldn't let go of their self-righteousness, so they stumbled and fell and were broken. The wicked often let go of their sin and received life and were raised up. Okay? So, here we go again. What's your response? To Jesus and the good news of what he has done, this news of salvation, is, is, you know, most of us are a little more coy. We're sort of like the Father. Yeah, I like Jesus. Like that, that old song by the Doobie Brothers. Jesus is just all right with me. You know? It's just sort of like, am I missing something? It's like, Jesus is sort of cool, but not really. Okay? You know, is he, is he, do I like him, but I don't need him? See, just all right is not the cry of someone desperate for Christ. Okay? And there are a lot of people like that. They sit in a lot of churches all around the world, but a lot in this country. Yeah, Jesus, he's okay. But they're not overwhelmed with how much they need him. And therefore, they do not delight in him very much. He is like the other gift they opened on Christmas, not the Red Rider. So how you regard Jesus at this moment is a sign of your spiritual condition. Are you listening? Not to me. Thirdly, lastly, delight in Christ, as the greatest gift that God has given. He gives many gifts, lots of gifts, but the greatest one that he gives is his own son. The response in the text begins with the parents. They've probably found all of this to be just a little bit much, and the text says that they marveled. This was more than they could really kind of take in, okay? They marveled, they pondered, they thought upon this. They unpacked it. Just like 
Some of you here, you don't, you know, some, some of you, like, it's the speed unwrapping contest. Who can get all the gifts undone the fastest, you know? But there are some of you who, like, oh, look at, I'm sorry, I guess I have someone in mind. <laughs> but they, 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 they look at the gift. This is not a book, okay? Uh, <laughs> but they spend time before they open the next gift unpacking this one. You know, I did this, I did this for my kids, taking the, all the stuff off so the, the, the trucks can be free so Eli can play with them. And Eli's like this too. When he gets a gift he likes, I mean, he's gone for a while. You know, he's, he, he got this Hess jet airplane from my dad, you know, and he's just wanting to all around that room, you know. He's unpacking it. He's marveling over it. He's filled with wonder at this. He's not just, Moving on to the next thing. That's what Jesus' parents were like. They're like, this, we got to stop and think about this. Okay? Do you ponder the gospel? Are you amazed at the reality that God, who is righteous and holy and perfect, could love people like us? So bent and twisted. So wrapped up in ourselves. So unloving toward Him. Do you marvel at the reality that Christ would come to save sinners? That's like a rescue mission into the prison. To save the prisoners. Why would anyone want to do that? But he did. He came for us. Do you delight in the gospel as the most amazing and most important thing in your life? Or is it just sort of, you know, it's on the list somewhere, you know? Second response is seen in Anna, the prophetess. She began to give thanks. Anna was filled with gratitude that her longing was fulfilled. And I'm picking up kind of where I left off last night. For those of you who weren't here, sorry. Um, you know, for those, actually, I should say, for those of you who were here, sorry, this will sound like a repeat. But this delight is meant to move us to gratitude. And to praise. In fact, uh, John Piper really, I think, succinctly puts it that essentially praise is delight in God expressed by us. You know, you, you, you only praise that which you adore and you only adore that which brings you delight. This is the idea. Okay? She is full of delight in that overflows in giving praise and thanksgiving to God. We, of course, opened our gifts two weeks ago, okay, because everyone else was leaving town and I was staying here. And there were certain gifts, like the truck and the plane, and uh, there are a few for Jaden as well. The delight was obvious upon my children's faces. 
that this was something that they just could not believe they got. And they were so happy. It was amazing. And that's the stuff that as a parent, you're kind of like, yeah. I rejoice in seeing them so filled with joy and wonder as a dad. Okay, they were overwhelmed with this. They were thankful, filled with praise of a sort. And so think about something that, that delighted you. Okay, the happiest days of your life, perhaps. The day that either you walked down the aisle or you stood and waited for someone else to walk down the aisle. Okay? Um, see, I love being a pastor, and I get to watch his face. Everyone else is looking at the bride. I look at him. Because I see that the light upon his face is beautiful. Sorry. You know, of the happy, one of the happiest days of my life was when Jaden was born. I mean, I was just like, I can't believe this actually happened. And I'm, I'm holding a child, me. How did this happen? Um, it was awesome. Or the times when I've been without a job and got one. You're happy, you're thankful, you're rejoicing. Think about those things. Is it, are you bringing that joy and that praise back to God, or is it just kind of like, I'm glad I got a job? But that's the kind of thing, the wonder, the joy of salvation that we need to recapture sometimes. Because delighting in the wrong thing can be dangerous and it can be disappointing. I remember one of the gifts that I was real excited about when I was a kid, and you will all laugh at me because this is so pre-techno stuff, right? It was a helicopter, but it wasn't a radio-controlled helicopter. It, it, would, it was on this, um, they had a, I don't know what to call it, had a base and it had an arm and the helicopter was on the arm and it would just go in circles. And you could like, you know, make it go up and down and faster, slower. And I was just like, oh, this is so cool. I really like this thing, you know. Down in the basement, and it was still Christmas Day, and my dog Prince, whom we only had for a short period of time, but that is not connected to what happened next, wanted to play with said helicopter and put his paw on the base, broken, done deal. <laughs> if we seek our delight in the wrong thing, we will eventually become disappointed, and not just disappointed, but put to shame. Because we will be revealed as fools for seeking our ultimate joy in that, whatever that is. Back to Romans 9. The one who delights in, who puts their trust in the stumbling stone, will not be put to shame, will not be disappointed. Jesus will come through with everything he has promised his people. No disappointment. We will be vindicated in our faith. The people who thought we were stupid and foolish will be revealed as the ones who were stupid and foolish. Ralphie, one last time. 
Though he was betrayed by the gun, which tried to put his eye out, it was still that which he cherished. The movie ends with him and his brother going to sleep that night, and this was in the old days when you shared a room. It wasn't the old, old days where you shared a bed, but uh, <clears throat> his brother has a truck. He, it's Eli, man, I'm telling you. <laughs> he's got his truck, and he, you know, he's, he's going to bed, and Ralphie has the gun. His Red Rider BB gun. Goes, he goes to sleep holding it. This is the most precious thing to him. And as the narrator, who is the adult Ralphie, reflects upon this, this was the greatest gift he ever got for Christmas. He delighted in it. And it was obvious to all. But I tell you that toys will break, cars will rust, homes will fall apart, loved ones will die, Every source of delight will end, but one. And you know what that is. So our longings are not irrelevant. They reveal more about us than we want to admit sometimes. They reveal the true source of our delight or our anticipated source of delight, what we think will bring us the greatest joy satisfaction, and contentment. And that reveals the direction of our hearts. Either it's toward Christ or it is away from Christ. And so I invite you, brothers and sisters, to ponder him that you may delight in all that he has done for us because he is the one gift that will not disappoint long term. Let's pray. Father, today is a day that is filled with numerous delights for most of us. Yet we recognize that for some there is sadness, or there is fear, or there is depression. And a lot of this has to do with our longings and whether or not those longings have come true. We need the Spirit to direct our longings to Jesus even as we make use of the means of grace, as we hear the Word preached and we read the Bible as we take the, the, the Lord's table, direct us to Jesus. Stir up holy longings, religious affections, that we might be satisfied in You above all things. You, Your Son, Your Spirit, that You, the triune God, would get much praise from us. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen.